Good morning, Harbor City. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, Harbor City. There we go. Wow. Thank you very much. Good to uh, be with you this morning. Let me jump in. I have um, 32 minutes and counting. So um, that was a that was a joke for Stephen. Uh, sorry. Um, how many of you, uh, if you're being honest, in this room have ever had a bad experience telling someone else about Jesus? Right. Like, there we go. Wow. So you've had some bad experiences in the room, right? How many of you have been maybe on the other side of the equation where you've had a bad experience, someone telling you about Jesus, right? Like, okay, very good. So we, uh, we're in some uh, good company here. Um, well, uh, regardless of where you are on that side of the equation or regardless of how, how honest you can be this moment, this morning, um, I'll share a quick story with you uh, that I just think uh, you probably can't mess it up as, as poorly as I did once, right? And it happened to be with my three-year-old son, at the time, yes, messed it up with my three-year-old son, and um, a little bit of context of what, of what happened, um, <clears throat> my wife was out of town, and that should have been the first clue that uh, this is not a time to do anything kind of different and radical, uh, but as a, as a young dad, I just was so excited about quality time with my son, and I was excited about the little devotional book we were going through, and I wanted to share the love of Jesus with him. Uh, you can say uh, maybe I was, you know, hell-bent on getting him to heaven uh, that weekend. And um, so I wanted to share with him. And the uh, devotional book we were uh, going through was this, um, the this, this storybook Bible. Some of you, if you have children, are familiar with the Jesus storybook Bible. And in there, uh, when the story about Adam and Eve are spoken of, uh, it, it talks about their rebellion, and then they exit out of, of, their, of the garden and it says basically to the, to the effect that they were kicked out of their homes, right? Um, so the morning comes. I'm thinking I'm going to have an adventurous time with my little boy. And um, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to study a little devotion. We're going to play. We're going to go to the zoo. So on the way to the zoo, I decided to uh, just ask him about the devotion. I said, buddy, how's, you know, what would you think of the devotion? And he just said a few things. And I said, well, you know what happened to Adam and Eve also happened to us too, right? Like we were kicked out of our homes with Jesus, Right, and um, now if you don't have children, or it's been a long time since you've been around children, or you're just a boneheaded dad like I am, you should know that three-year-olds are very literal, and uh, the, the the concept of figurative language is just not there for them just yet, right? And um, so my little three-year-old starts to cry in the car. We're driving down the road, and I start thinking, he's getting the gospel, right? Like <laughs> this is awesome, and I start to get kind of emotional, and then I start thinking about the implications that I too have been kicked out of my home with Jesus and, and like the shalom is devastated and I'm weeping in the car. He's <laughs> weeping in the car and, and I'm clueless on to why he's weeping in the car uh, until about this moment when he says something to the effect of, Jesus took my trains and my toys and he kicked us out of our home. And I go, what? Wait, no. Jesus didn't do that. That's not exactly... I said, no, buddy, we're going home after the zoo. And, like, Jesus didn't do that. And um, needless to say, um, you know, my wife and I have this uh, kind of ongoing joke that the goal of parenting is minimizing counseling, right? Like, um, and uh, it's a true, true fact. And uh, the goal of parenting... We actually have, like, we call it our, our college fund and our counseling fund. We're not sure what's going to come first. And um, so if you want to give to that, feel free. And, and uh, let's just say that we took a massive step back in the goal of parenting that day. 
Um, the good news is that my uh, son got his trains back, he got his toys back, he got his mom back, he got his home back, but I don't think he met Jesus that day, at least not the Jesus of the Bible. So some of us have had some, some bad experiences, right? Some of us have been on both ends of that experience. Well, this morning I want to talk about this idea of sharing the good news of great joy, hopefully in better ways than I have just displayed. Um, I want to share this with you in light of the season that we find ourselves in, this Advent season, the, the coming of Jesus, right? The first coming of Jesus as a baby as a motivation to the sharing of Jesus, okay? So what we're going to talk about is this idea of the coming of Jesus as motivation, as means to the sharing of Jesus. But before we get into the text and before we get into all these things, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of what I'm just calling uh, seismic shifts in the way that you think about sharing the love of Christ, okay? So I hope that these are somewhat seismic shifts, that these are shifts in the ways that you think about um, sharing the love of Christ. And with each of these, we're shifting from an either-or perspective to a both-and. You with me? In other words, I'm going to say we're going to shift from A to... to uh, it's not just a shift from A to B, but it's a shift from A to A and B, okay? Let's jump in, and uh, this will make more sense to us. Um, shift number one is um, this idea that we are shifting as we share the love of Christ, share the good news of great joys from a relational living to intentional speaking. Now, here again, both and. Y'all with me? Um, relational living to intentional speaking. Um, I've heard over and over this quote that says something to the effect of share the gospel and when necessary, use words. And while this might sound very nice, I want you to know that I don't believe that this is holistically biblical. Uh, there is verbal initiation of the good news of Jesus. We see this in Romans um, 10 most explicitly uh, when it says um, that um, how then can they call on one that they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? With me? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, verbal initiation and conversation, intentional speaking is uh, necessary. Um, that's not to say that relational living is insignificant at all. It's, it's absolutely necessary, and that's why this is both and and not either or. A few other verses that would help. Um, second, uh, First Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I believe that's Second Timothy 4, uh, says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of, the appear, uh, of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul to his young disciple Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear those words, preach the word. And oftentimes with us, there's cultural layers that are built upon this idea of preaching the word. You think about this, actually, right? A pulpit, a message, a Sunday morning service. If you really begin to look at the context of what's going on, the preaching of the word was the proclaiming of this good news, right? And it happened in all kinds of different places, not just on a Sunday morning, not just in certain venues. But this idea was preach the word in season and out of season. Be proclaiming this good news as you walk, as you talk, in the synagogues, in the marketplace, so on and so forth. And, and Paul was speaking um, to his young disciples saying this. Finally, um, 1 Thessalonians so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you had become very dear, right? The first shift is this idea of a relational living to both relational living and intentional speaking. Let's keep moving. Um, shift number two is this idea that um, we are moving from, um, oh, oh, went too fast. 
from, the, uh, from uh, sharing the love of Christ is me doing this to us doing this together, right? It's the, this concept that, um, that it's not just simply me, you or me, it's, it's us. It's a, communal, um, uh, it's a communal opportunity, right? Um, a quick story. I had a good friend of mine who was leading a small group in Augusta, Georgia. He was a medical sales guy, and he was very gifted at, in discipling these young men. And he had a group of young uh, professionals that he was um, uh, leading in a small group, in a, in a bridge, in a uh, community group sort of context. And he told me a little bit about what was going on as I went to visit him. And um, he challenged all these men to uh, really begin to pray for men. He said, hey, I want this group to kind of grow and to multiply, right? And I don't want it to be just simply that the church adds on and tells us, hey, we want to add a few people. But I want this to come from our network, from your network of friends. And so he challenged these men to begin to pray for men in their lives, friends that they had, right? So they spent about a month praying, and then after that month, he said, I want to challenge you with, with sharing the love of Christ with that person. Take them to lunch, talk with them, and he trained them, and this, uh, their, their groups turned into a, a, few, a few weeks of like training. And then they moved on to uh, begin to really um, invite them to do stuff together. They began to know each other's friends, and they had these events they, they kind of gathered. And so I, I heard about this group just kind of growing and multiplying, and I asked him about it, and he said, uh, he said, it's going really well. And I said, so do all of those five guys bring, you know, three to five guys with them? He's like, no, actually, some of them don't bring anyone at all. And I said, oh, is that a problem? He said, no. He said, let me tell you about a friend of, uh, a mutual friend of ours who was in this group. And he, he went on to tell me about this, uh, this guy who was a computer programmer. He said, you know, he's not brought a one person. And, and I've asked him to really have a, a group of three to five. He only has one to two people that he's actually praying for regularly. He said, but I want you to know, Gijo, when he starts to pray for his friends' friends, he goes, the love of God blows us away, right? That his commitment to the evangelization of his friends' friends is as strong as theirs was. And when they got these gatherings together, he was one of those guys that was behind the scenes and serving and praying. And them together were beginning to see the multiplication of these things. The, the shift that I want you to begin to think about is not just from, from, from you doing this, but from your, for your group's to begin to do this. Uh, I don't have a verse for this, and let me tell you the reason why. It's throughout the whole New Testament, right? I just wrote down, see the life and the ministry of Jesus, this communal effort, right? See the life and the ministry of Paul and the apostolic band. Um, that's uh, shift number two, all right? Uh, shift number three, um, this idea of shifting from a divine opportunity to a personal responsibility. Now, um, once again, Mind you that this is a both and and not an either or. And, and this is not a contradiction of, of shift number two when I said um, that this is a communal opportunity. So what I mean by personal responsibility is personal responsibility in the context of community, okay? Um, if you come to our house and you leave our house and you walk out the door, above the, um, the front door is a wooden plaque that one of my old staff gals made for us, and it just simply says, Open Doors. And it's a reminder to us of Colossians 4.2, where Paul actually asked the Corinthian church uh, to pray for him that doors would open up for the uh, gospel to go forward, right? So um, the thing I want to challenge you to think about and to really begin to apply is pray for open door opportunities, right? Pray for those opportunities. At the same time, I want to challenge you to make some of those opportunities as you go. 
what I have learned, not from myself, from watching other people and listening to other people, are just starter lines, right? Lines that I can begin to, to, begin to share the gospel with other people. So Colossians 4.2 uh, says that, that, um, you know, pray for open doors. And Timothy, going back to our good disciple of Paul, it, it, it was a, it's a fascinating passage. But, um, but Paul, who is probably more gifted at evangelism than Timothy was, Paul, who's much more people-oriented than Timothy was, he was shy, he was timid, he was probably an introvert, right? He said a, a verse that has always kind of bothered me. Right? He didn't go and say, go do the gift of evangelism. He actually said, do the work of an evangelist. You see, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, he says, uh, endure hardships, do the work of the evangelist. I find myself often in coffee shops or different places thinking, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Right? Uh, if I'm being honest with you, um, the older I get, the more introverted I get. Right? The more... Uh, less inclined. I don't find myself being able to talk to a wall like Stephen Cooper can talk to a wall, right? Like, I'm, I want to be like him. I'm around him, and I see him talking to the wall. The wall doesn't always talk back. Um, sometimes uh, they do. But oftentimes, I find myself thinking this verse right here, do the work of an evangelist, right? So a shift from divine opportunity to both divine opportunity and personal responsibility. Shift number four, and then I'm going to share a couple stories with you. Uh, a shift from a one-time proclamation to an ongoing conversation, right, with the hope of transformation. What I love about the gospel, and the more I grow in the gospel, uh, is that it's not just simply a history lesson, right, of creation, fall, redemption, renewal. It's not just the history of the life, the death, and the resurrection of, of Jesus, but it, it really is the implications of all of those things to all of life, Right? That the gospel is a comprehensive view of all of life and reality. Right? Not just this mess, not just a historical lesson. There's, and, and, and the reason is because it's built around the person of Jesus. And all of life is really built all around the person of Jesus. Um, this goes really well with the first shift that I mentioned of moving from relational living to intentional speaking. Because when people begin to see your life, right? And they begin to see how you're different, they need interpretation of those things. Um, and so it's an ongoing conversation. Um, Acts 17, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue, and, and Sabbath day, day by Sabbath day, he reasoned, right? It wasn't just a, let me have a conversation, check. Well, I, t- I talked to that person about Jesus, check. It was a, how do I continue to talk about all of life as uh, around the Lord? A few weeks ago, I, um, I had a meeting with one of my staff guys in a coffee shop, and we showed up, and um, the gal behind the counter was super friendly, and I went and sat down with my staff guy, and he said, man, she's really uh, friendly, and she, she talked to him for a while, and she talked to me. She came by, checked on us for a while. We were in a meeting, so I didn't really have a lot to, I just wasn't in the mood to, like, talk to anyone else but my staff guy, uh, Sam, there. But on the way out the door, we had enough friendly conversations with her where we found out she's married, she has a five-year-old, she's, um, she's uh, from New Jersey. Her, her husband's in the military, and uh, it was pretty evident to us that she seemed very lonely. And then on the way out the door, um, as I just said, Sam, why don't you come with me, and I want you to uh, just um, join me. And uh, as we talked to her, I, I said, Courtney, I want to invite you to join me and some of my friends. We actually attend this church, 
And uh, I want you to come uh, and bring your family with you to just meet some of my friends, to be part of our community. I think you'll find that there's some really genuine people there, right? And, um, and she, was, um, she, she was intrigued, and she began to write down the information of the church. And notice that I didn't say, hey, I want you to come to church, right? I, although it was an invitation to church, I, I invited her to come with us to uh, join us. And then I, I went on to say, as she took a step uh, forward... And I'll just share this quick thought with you. A friend of mine taught me this once. He said, you know, when you have a conversation with someone and you take a step forward relationally or in conversation and they take a step back, <laughs> take a step back with them, okay? They're not ready, right? Don't take another step forward. Uh, don't be overzealous like I was with my little boy, right? Uh, but if they stay there or if they take a step with you, then you can continue to take a step forward. That was so helpful for me, and, and our, my friend Courtney really began to do that. And um, so I said, well, Courtney, can I tell you uh, one more thing about why I go to church? And I went to talk to her about an amazing God who's forgiven a man of very, very much, right? So I got to uh, introduce her to my friend Jesus, to my brother, to my Savior, um, and just in conversation. And she's so intrigued, and she did say... My husband's not ready to do something like this, but I'd love to come. And so a few weeks later, I came back and invited her to a Thanksgiving meal with my family, but she had other plans. And I share that story with you because uh, uh, to help kind of illustrate some of the shifts that we talk about, right? From relational living to intentional speaking, from, from a me to a us, right? From divine opportunities to praying for open doors to making open doors. And then finally, from this one-time proclamation to an ongoing conversation, let me just um, move to my last and final shift in thinking, okay? Um, from the last shift that we're going to talk about is this idea of from information to the incarnation, right? Um, it's a shift from this idea that, it's, that oftentimes we think this is just like content that I want you to get and to understand, or you begin to think... This is a, a, a truth claims that I want you to embrace or a, a way of living life, right? Behavior that you need to check off and start acting a different way. And all those things will happen and those things are true. I do want to say that, that I want us to begin to think about this idea of sharing Christ out of the incarnation, right? Out, out of the coming of Jesus, that we would see this Jesus, that we would savor and get to know and experience this Jesus and then out of that, friends, we share Jesus, okay? Um, now, I understand that there is a time and a place for an apologetic, um, you know, defense of the gospel. I get that. I'm for that. I've, I've been trained in that. I, I, um, I, at times, go there. But the more and more I meet people in San Diego, the more I, I recognize that people are starving for real community, right? They're starving for real conversations and real relationships, and uh, that's what I love about the gospel, because the gospel is such good news, and I don't always get it, right? And I'm in this process with them, um, and yet I have, a, 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 I have the person of Jesus that guides us and that helps us. So there is a time for an apologetic, but I often find um, that the less I uh, approach people with truth claims to believe, right? And the more I begin to approach them with, I just want to introduce you to a friend, Right? Uh, I want you to meet a friend of mine that less people get turned off by that, right? I'm not saying that people will not get turned off, um, but I will say that, um, that that will happen. So when you really begin to experience and see and savor this Jesus, right, um, 
as who he is for you today. Uh, here's the reality. What flows out of you is that we cannot stop speaking of what we've seen and heard. All right? I get that straight from the shepherds in Luke 2. They walked away praising God. Why? They, because of what they had seen and they had heard. I get that from Acts 4 that says, um, sorry, um, <clears throat> Acts 4, yes, uh, where they told Peter and John, they said, look, you got to stop proclaiming Jesus. And they're like, you know, whether it's right in your eyes for us to do that or not, let me tell you something. We can't stop speaking of what we've seen and heard. Let me share this with you from, De- uh, from Deuteronomy, right? And then um, we will, um, we'll close this in some application. In Deuteronomy, it's a fascinating passage. It's the last place that I would have thought to go to to talk about the coming of Jesus. But what, ad- what ends up happening in Deuteronomy is they actually have an Advent season of their own, right? A Savior coming moment of their own. It was not a, a baby in a manger, but it was a baby in a basket, and his name was Moses, right? He was not the Savior of the world, but he did point to the Savior of the world, right? That the baby in the basket, name, namely the story of Moses... Uh, is a pointer to the Savior uh, in the manger, namely uh, Jesus himself. And so Moses is helping his people in Deuteronomy 6, and, and specifically helping parents teach and train this to the next generation, to the next generation um, of, this, uh, of their advent. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. Um, when your son asks you... Uh, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Like, what is the meaning of this, right? What a great question, right? Like, why the nativity, right? Like, why the incarnation? Like, why are there these rules, Dad? Like, help me understand. Like, why every Christmas do we go through this? Great question, right? Then you shall say to your son, um, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? right? Not we were really good people. Not that, oh man, like we were just better people and God loved us, right? No. What really happened? We were just slaves. You see, friends, that before we begin to experience Christmas for what it is as a celebration, it's an indictment first, right? That there was a need for a savior of the world. His name was Jesus, right? That you and I were slaves and we needed to be set free, that a baby had to come, the reality is that the Christmas doesn't just start with this kind of hallmark, uh, precious moments, nostalgic kind of moment, right? It, it starts um, with a baby who was destined for death, right? And because we needed a savior, um, goes on. We were slaves, and the Lord brought us out, and the Lord showed signs and wonders against us before our eyes. He brought us out from there and he, that he might bring us and give us the land which he swore to his forefathers. You see, friends, that this is not just about sweet baby Jesus in a manger, but this is an indictment that you and I were slaves, and we needed a Savior, and this world needs a Savior, and his name is Jesus. It goes on to say, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statues, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. You see, this is not just simply about, let me just reflect back to the story of Jesus, but let me reflect back in such a way that that will help me um, reflect forward to where God is today. It's not just about forgetting our hardships, but it's looking back at God's faithfulness yesterday in order to apply that faithfulness and that hope to today. Okay, so when you think about coming in and the Advent, this is so much about where you are today. Let me expound on this for just a few more minutes. 
For those of you that are struggling with provision, right? Like, God, I, I just, I need a job. I need a home. I just, I'm financially strapped. And for you, um, and you begin to wonder, God, are you really here, right? Friends, look back to a teenage pregnant girl, right, who God provided uh, a place to stay. He provided a husband, provided a family to love, provided wise men to affirm the things that were going on in her heart. Look to this God who was rich and who became poor for us so that we would become rich, right? Begin to see and savor that, and guess what will happen? You can't stop speaking of what you've seen and heard, okay? For those of you who have felt abandoned by God, like he's been silent in your life, right? Like where has he been? There were 400 years of silence that God's rebellion and their desire to be pushed away from God happened, right? And the prophet uh, John shows up and he says that that time is over now. Um, But that moment, that time of silence, when you think, man, God, where are you? Look to Simeon who said he was looking for the consolation of Israel, Luke 2. Look to the praying Anna, who it says he was look, she was looking for the redemption that comes from Jerusalem. Friends, look and see Jesus, and guess what will happen? Can't stop speaking of what you've seen and heard. For those who struggle to see the power of God on display in your life, look to the God who moved in the heart of Caesar, right? Uh, the, uh, the whole Roman world uh, shifted they, uh, because God chose to move in such a way that the power of God was on display that brought a, a couple back home so that the, the, the promises of God would be fulfilled, that the child would be born out of Bethlehem. Um, for those that struggle with sin today and think, man, I'm just far too far gone, know that you have a Savior that came as a baby who lived a righteous life. Know that I, I love John's title. Look, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? The precious Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, and remember that he has set us free and that he has set you free from your sin and look to him and what will flow out is, is you can't stop speaking what you've seen and heard. Finally, for those that struggle to see family and friends that don't know Jesus, right? This is so helpful to me. Look to the God who put a star up in the sky, the power of that, right? To guide people to worship and serve Jesus. Right? That gives me hope for my family. That gives me hope for friends. Um, friends, sharing Christ starts with seeing and experiencing Christ today. Let me just give you a couple um, practical steps, and then I want to pray. Um, in your uh, bulletin, there's an index card, and I want to uh, challenge you to, uh, to just take a few minutes and write down three to five friends, Right? And I want to challenge you to begin to pray for your friends, just like my friend challenged his group to pray for, his, for their three to five friends. Okay, so take that with you and, and do that for a minute. The second thing is I want you to take these cards, and if you're not part of a life group, I want to encourage you to begin 2016 in the life group. But take those and, and make that part of your weekly rhythms uh, that y'all pray together as life groups for your friends, right? For our city, for people that God has placed in our network. If it's just one person, praise the Lord. Pray for that one person. If it's five, pray for um, those five folks. And then begin to start just building those into your weekly rhythms and um, praying for, sharing about 
uh, introducing them to friends, introducing them to a community. And then finally, I want to uh, encourage and challenge you to invite them to come with you to the Christmas Eve service or whatever service that you have. I recognize a lot of people are hesitant to come to church, and if you take a step forward and they take a step back, take a step back with them. But I, I want to, on this last one, right, I don't want you to just simply invite them to come to church. I want, you to invi- I want to challenge you to invite them to come with you to church, okay? Whether you realize this or not, friends, like, Christians are weird people, right? Like, we're just weird people, right? And uh, the thought of being in a room full of a bunch of weird people is intimidating, okay? Uh, I promise. Um, <laughs> so church can be intimidating. We can be scary, intimidating people. But if you simply say to them, will you come with me, right? Join, like, I want to come pick you up. I actually had this conversation, a friend of mine I was sharing with at San Diego State, and and the gospel conversation was going forward, and he said, you know what, I just need to come to one of these house dinners. I'm just going to do it. And he's just talking out loud to me, tall, strong, good-looking, athletic guy. He's like, I- I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get over, I'm just going to get over that fear, and I'm just going to do it. And I went, really? Uh, he goes, I just got to sh- show up at that meeting. And I said, no, you don't. I said, you're actually coming with me, right? And you sh- I just saw the, the, his face, I mean, just kind of like, Thank you, right? I wouldn't have told, I couldn't have told otherwise, um, but it was such a beautiful moment. So I want to challenge you to not just invite them to church, but then to invite uh, them to come with you to church. Let me um, close with prayer, right? Um, The opportunity to ask our king to go before us. Jesus, thank you for coming a first time. Thank you for the advent. Thank you for the presence (laughs) that you have provided to us through your Holy Spirit. But thank you that you came in the form of a babe, that you came, you lived amongst us. You who are rich became poor for our sake so that we would become rich. Thank you for this advent and thank you for the motivation to share that love with others. Thank you that you love in ways we have no clue about, God. And even as we talk about these things and, sh- and, and we share about these things, God, there is trepidation, there's fear, there's anxiety in our own hearts. I pray that you would give us a peace that passes understanding, that you have gone before us and that you promise to be with us and that you come behind us. God, and, and I pray, I pray that, uh, that you would use this morning and use our lives to multiply your glory your worship, your fame um, amongst us and amongst our friends. Come before, uh, go before us, Jesus. Give to us all we need for life and for godliness. Um, begin here with me, I pray in Jesus' name.